This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I have a question for you. you are you ready? Uh, we'll find out. Okay. So um, I just told Mario, I said, look, I just need you to stay on the stage for a second because I, I just want to kind of probe a little bit. We'll see how this goes. Which can be a, a little uncomfortable sometimes, right? Yeah. You just kind of roll. See yeah. 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 <laughs> have you ever um, been in that place when you've asked this question, like, how did I get here? Yes, absolutely. I have. Have you? Uh huh. Yeah, you wanting a story? Well, I, you know, other than just, yeah, so I like, I, you look around, you go like, what in the world happened, right? How did I yes. get here? Yes, um, uh, it's definitely happened during, during hiking. Um, okay. Yes, so um, <laughs> like, I, I am directionally challenged when I'm hiking, and so there, I'm grateful for the people that go with me, or if I don't have a GPS, um, it's going to be game over. So I've literally wandered off on the trail thinking I knew where it was, okay. um, and then only to start getting further down, and I'm thinking, I walked when I came this way earlier, these trees weren't here. Like it was a different, completely environment. So uh, I do ask that question, how have I gotten here? Here, yeah. <laughs> okay, so have you ever asked that, like, that question in like, like you were maybe, not that you did, but mm-hmm. maybe you kind of screwed up or mm-hmm. something like that. And the consequences, right? Yes, well, there's consequences there, but you're wondering about in life as well. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's so many times um, I've done that. I'm trying yeah. to think like, which would be the, the least, um, if somebody said embarrassing, I was going to say damning. Yeah, oh, uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, where have I said, how have I gotten here? Oh, well, I mean, I'll just, I mean, this is, I've said this to our students, I'll yeah. say this here. There are relationships yeah. I've been oh, in, yeah. particularly okay. before, before I came to really start following Jesus. I find myself deep in some relationships. Yeah. So I'm thinking yeah. like, yeah, this, this I, got, well, I got myself in I a mess. Get out of that. Yeah, and so, I got to get out. Yeah, and so I've yeah. been in that uh, situation more than yeah. once, and that yeah. has not been fun. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, honestly, he has no clue about <laughs> these these questions that I dream up. You yeah. know, before yeah. the service. Well, what's great is then I get to see like, well, how is he going to tie this in? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh no, we'll see. <laughs> I do have. I do. I got a present for you. Okay. Serious. I'm serious. What is this? It's a cookie. A crumble cookie. This looks special. This looks like a dog. Do you know anything about crumble cookies? No, I, I don't. Talk to me. What do we got? Does somebody, do you know what crumble, anybody know what a crumble? Yeah, I stood okay. in line for like 15 minutes okay. for, for this okay. $5 cookie. Oh my goodness. I'm serious. It's like five bucks. So, well, at the rate that I eat this, um, you, this could take a year. So you it's have like, it for like, a long time. Yeah, I like you. Why, thank you. I like you. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to take this back. I'm going to start eating it. Hopefully, I'll be done by next week with it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's okay. Right very on. kind of you. Yeah. Thank you. Crumble. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, guess what? So, uh, you know that, that question, like, how did I get here? Guess what? I'm going to ask you that same question. Here it is right here. How did I get here? Where is it? Coming right up right now. It's there somewhere. They'll click the right. How did I get here? Well, I'll just ask you, right? It'll come up there. So there we go. Have you asked yourself that question? Ever be honest now? And I have no cookies for you, by the way. So no cookies. But like you go like, how in the world did I get here? So maybe you experienced a loss thing. I, I've certainly done that myself. Um, um, maybe 
maybe in life, and Mario talked about relationships, so maybe that's your story, that's your journey, right? Like in a relationship, it just went south on you, and you kind of go like, how in the world did I get here? And maybe we describe it as a great big mess, and so how did I get in this, get in this mess right here? Um, maybe it was a career decision. I don't know, but, but you've asked that question, and, and I have asked that question. We, we probably, probably all have, because that's, that's the question I want us to focus on this morning when we find ourselves in that place. And, and our journeys look different, they do, and particularly our faith journeys, our life journeys look, look, look different. But as we kind of dive into Genesis a little bit more, a little further down the book, um, let me just share with you Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, because it really is a place where we can ask this question, or this question should have been asked. And God, uh, following creation, God issues this command, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we ask the questions, we kind of walk through Genesis, how, how did that work out? How, how did that, that work out? I mean, it's a great opportunity, and I would suggest for each and every one of us, as we kind of probe this question just a little bit, and we look to see how it did work out, that there's opportunity for each one of us to say stop and go like, how, how is this thing working out in, in life for me? So as we follow the biblical narrative through Genesis, from the creation of man, and then last week we talked about, if you were here, we talked about, about the fall, right? And then if you read on, it's Cain and Abel. Some of you know that story if you're a Bible reader. And then Adam's descendants leading up to Noah, who at the young age of 500 years old, which gives all of us hope, right? Noah had kids, right? Genesis chapter 5, verse number 32. But then something happens. Here it is. Genesis 6 now, chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Remember what's the question we're asking ourselves? How did we get here? And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals, and creeping things, stink bugs that are everywhere, I suppose, and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. How did we get here? The last part of that verse is this. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, the Bible says, walked with God. And we see his obedience in the call of God, don't we, to build, build the ark. And so we're not going to center on that story too much this morning. But you can just imagine for just a moment, let your mind go, like build an ark. There's no rain, right? But you're going to build an ark. So uh, Noah did that. And at the close of chapter 6, here's what we read in terms of Noah following the Lord's commands. Noah did this. He did all, everybody say all, all that God had commanded him. And then the flood came and destroyed everything. And the Bible records it this way in the seventh chapter now, kind of moving on in the narrative, verse number 23. 
he, God, blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left. Those who were with him and those who were with him in the ark. Do you wonder, would your mind, would your imagination just allow for a moment that question by somebody on the ark floating around? Like, how, how did we get here? How, how did this happen? Like, we're floating. I got to tell you, you just got to know that with that many animals on the ark, it probably had an odor, don't you think? Don't you think that somebody goes, how, how did we get here? I mean, like, everything is destroyed now. What happened? What got us to this place? The flood subsides, and God establishes a covenant. We know that, that his sons, with his, Noah and his sons, that he will never again destroy the earth by a flood. And we know the, the sign that God put in the sky, right? A rainbow. And it becomes a sign of the covenant that was made. And then, then we turn the chapter um, into chapter 9, and we read the same command that we did back in Genesis chapter 1, 28, when God issues this command to go and multiply, right? Um, be fruitful and multiply. And here we read it again. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Here is a brand new <clears throat> beginning. So if they asked that question, I think they had to in some form or, or, or fashion, maybe not the exact words, but like, how, how did we get here? <clears throat> here was the opportunity to establish a brand new beginning. In fact, Matthew Henry, a commentator of old, says it this way, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. For the race of mankind was, as it were, to begin again. You ever had to start over in life? Anybody? I mean, you ask that question, and then all of a sudden, you know, okay, we're going to start over right here. In fact, we're going to hit that great big old reset button because that's what we're reading right here. Here's a brand new opportunity. We get to start over. It's a brand new beginning. All of the old is gone. And God issues this command again to be fruitful and multiply. Start over. And you would just think, wouldn't you, because you've been there and I've been there, and if we find ourselves in this place that can make it through this and this part of the journey of our life, and we go like, okay, I am never going to do that again, right? We've been there, haven't we? I get to start over again. And you would think there would have been this huge commitment on the part of mankind that we will, we will never do that again. We will never do that again. How'd it go? Well, I just suggest you didn't go so well. Because Noah dies at the age of 950 years old. Who wants to live that long? And then we just talked about this beginning, right? Here it is in Genesis chapter 10. I'll just read it to you. Verses 1 through 5. And these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. Sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javon, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus. Sons of Gomer, 
Ashkenaz, Ripoth, uh, Tugamara, the sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, <clears throat> and Dodium. And then we read this right here. From these coasts, the peoples, spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their own nations. I want to stop right there for just a moment because there's a huge clue, clue here as we answer this question, how's it going? After, after the birth of all these and the generations from these, the coastland people spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans in their nations. What just happened? What just happened? They're spread out, right? Different languages. It's, it's a clue to us here in Genesis chapter 10, verse 5. Something's gone wrong. Do you remember the command of God? Be fruitful and do what? And mul multiply. And Genesis chapter 10 tells us of people. Thank you, thank you. You know that the smoke and air is never good for people who kind of talk for a living, I think. And um, so God bless you. I'll get you a cookie next week. Yeah. Okay, um, Genesis 10, because we're going to get to the Tower of Babel in just a moment. And for some of us, we think, okay, well, that's when that happened. Genesis 10 tells us of people, clans who spread throughout the land with his own language. And we go to the next chapter, chapter 11, to see how all of this happened. Are you following me? The Tower of Babel. Chapter 11 is the explanation of this right here in chapter 10. So it's not a chronological order. It's more of a thematic order of what, what we're reading. And it might just cause some of us or some of them to go like, here we go again. Here we go again. And I think you'll see why. It was not long after the flood in some Put it around a 100 to 150 years, some, some a little, little bit longer than that, but generally somewhere around 100 to 150 years that the Tower of Babel takes place. Remember, the Tower of Babel, chapter 11, is an explanation of what took place here. Last week I said this. We're going to explore this week how the Tower of Babel relates to you and me today, and I think that it does, and I think you'll see why. <clears throat> but follow me, will you, in Genesis chapter 11. So got your Bible, get your Bible app. It's coming up on the screen as well. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Are you seeing something here? And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all uh, one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing they possess to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language. So they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed 
them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over all of the face of the earth. Do you remember the command that God gave them? Go and do what? Be fruitful, right, sprout, be, and multiply. And he says, okay, this is how you're going to do it since you are not following that command. And what I want to just toss out this morning um, is how the Tower of Babel might relate to you and me today. Where maybe we can just kind of connect to it in three ways. What's called, what we, we will call the sins of Babel. Okay, the sins of Babel as it's been described. Number one, I'm going to give you three. Number one, disobedience. Aha, we'll explore it. Number two, discontentment. Anybody there? Don't answer the question. Number three, um, pride. Let's take a look at each one of them, shall we, and see how they might apply. Do you see anything in these three? I mean, it's, it's, isn't it true? Because I've done it, and I, you probably have done it as well, too. You're like, you read the Bible, you read it, and you're like, what are you guys, dumb? Can't you just, like, follow a simple command? Like, to go and be fruitful. Now, that sounds good. Multiply, that sounds good. What's going on with you people? But when we bring the story just a little bit closer home, some of us go what? Ouch. Exactly. Let's talk about disobedience. God issued a command to fill the earth. How'd it go? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Remember, I referred to that. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Did they do that? No. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then we read it again in verse number 7. And you, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. And do we see that? No. Yes, ask parents, okay, so moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. Now, look, forget grandmas and grandpas because I, I'm one, and I haven't found anything that my grandkids do wrong yet. So anyway, um, parents, has there ever been a time when you instructed your kids to do something, and then you went to follow up, and nothing was done? Ever? Was there ever time as, as a kid when your parents told you to do something, and they followed up on you, and you hadn't done anything, right? Never. Like, how, the, how, how did we get here? Because that's exactly what happened. God issued the command, and the people, they responded. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. That is how they responded to the command. That's what we just read in Tower of Babel. God, God said to go, and the people said no. God said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to multiply. I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to go. And they said, they said no. They found a plain in the land of Shinar. Let's go back to that verse for just a moment. Can we do that? They found a plain in the land of Shinar and did what? Everybody say Settled. That's important. They settled there. What's, what's it mean? Settled. They did what? Yeah, they stopped. They found a place. They found a home. And somebody said, oh, this is pretty good. Let's, let's just stop here. 
I think we'll just settle down. And in doing so, they disobeyed God. They're walking in disobedience. There seems to be something within us, doesn't, doesn't there? If we would all be honest, there's something within us as human beings that we, we sometimes reject this thought of obedience. How often do we just want to have it our own way? We just want it our own way. We, yeah, we just don't, we, we don't want people telling us what to do. We just want to do our thing and everybody just leave us alone. And I remember growing up as a kid, this, this, this kind of this phrase that was out there, like I'm sitting, I, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Is that it? Like, I might be sitting down, but on the inside, I'm standing up. What's a mark of, the fo- of a follower of Jesus? Obedience to him. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 3. <clears throat> Loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength requires that we hear and obey. And Dick Brogdon, who's a friend, says this, to love God with all of our heart and with all of our souls and our strength is to obey God with all of our hearts all of our souls, our minds and strength. Love is proved by obedience. You know that's true, don't you? It's true in relationships. It's true in your family. It's true in our relationship with God. What does it look like to obey God with all of our hearts, our souls, and our strength? I'm just going to give you three things really, really quick. I just call it a pathway to obedience. Here it is. Number one, we confess our weakness. And what's that, what's that mean? What's that look like? God, in my own self, I don't have the ability, I don't have the capacity to obey you like you've called me to do. I need your Spirit's work in my life. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, I know that you're calling me to this, and it might be this step that I'm not sure I want to take. I know you've spoken to me about it because I... I just, I just, I know that your spirit has spoken to me, but I just am not sure I want to do that. In fact, I don't think I will. <laughs> and we find ourselves stepping back into this thing called disobedience, but God, I'm weak in this area, and I need your strength, so will you just give it to me, whatever it is? And God has spoken to you, and he has spoken to me. And in ourselves, it's, I think, impossible to walk in obedience as he calls us to do in our own strength. But that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit enables us to walk in his wisdom way. So we we confess our weakness, and some of us might be doing that right now. Number two, we confess your need, confess your need for his strength. Because this is all done in him, right? Like none of us are strong enough in ourselves. We confess our need for his strength, and then we confess our desire and need to understand first. What do I mean by that? I, I mean this, that for some of us, when the call to walk in his ways comes to us or the Spirit nudges us, the first thing we want to ask God is, okay, show me how it's going to work out. Right? Don't we? Like, okay, God, I can obey you. I will obey you, but you've got to show me what this thing looks like first. And then I'll obey. And I just would submit to you, that is not the life that Jesus calls us to. 
He calls us to walk in obedience, to trust in him. Remember Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Why don't we lean on our own understanding? Anybody want to toss out a guess online? Because we're human. We're humans. Like we don't understand all that's going on. We don't understand all of life. So we trust in the Lord. We don't lean on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge him. And guess what? He leads us. The wisdom of providence says he makes our, our paths straight. The spirit of God prompts us how to live. So let me give you a little jingle that I heard years ago, and I, I don't even know um, what the name of the guy was, but it's simply this, and something you can write down and take with the obedience now, understanding later. You want to live that life? Because that's the life we're called to live. We walk in obedience, and then understanding will come later, and it might be eternity. Think about that. But his spirit prompts us, and we walk in obedience to him. Next thing is obedience um, to God is not always easy, but it's always right. It's not always easy, but it's always right. So I just want to ask you a question. We're going to kind of apply it um, as we go along. Two more to go. So not this question, where is God prompting you to walk in obedience to him? And you're just kind of like holding back a little bit. It might be something very, very simple, like I want you to talk to your neighbor. I want you to go to Crumbles and buy some $5 cookies and establish a relationship with your neighbor. And you've held back a little bit because you go like, if you only knew my neighbor, <laughs> right? Or that workmate maybe, or something like that. I mean, like God is nudging you somewhere and some of us, we're like, we're, we're holding back. Where is God calling you to take that step of obedience? I don't understand, God, but I do know that you're speaking to me. So I'm going to take this step. The walls of Jericho, and we're not going to read this story, but uh, Joshua chapter 6 is a prime example when God's wisdom ways just didn't make a lot of sense, Right? The walls are going to come down not through your might, not through your strength, but through the word of the Lord. Like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to shout, and you're going to blow trumpets, and the walls are going to tumble down. Does that make sense? Mm -mm. I mean, like our human understanding, we go like, that's not going to work. We're going to shout these walls down, and we're going to blow trumpets, and we're going to go like, right, God? But as they walked in obedience, isn't that exactly what happened? You know the story, it did. Obedience to God is not always easy, but it's always right. So we trust the outcome to him. Number two, one of the sins of Babel, discontentment. Discontentment or the lack of contentment is a lack of satisfaction with one's possession, status, or situation in life. Now, I'll just kind of toss it, toss this in, like being, discontentment can actually move us in the right area. It's not always bad, especially when it drives us to become more like Jesus. It becomes a sin when it leads to disobedience away from him and towards independence on ourselves or a dissatisfaction with where I am today, where Jesus has, has put me. It looks like this, God, I tried and I waited for your way, now I'm taking control. 
I, I've waited long enough for this. Now it's up to me. I am not satisfied with how things are going. I'm not satisfied where you have placed me, and I'm not satisfied where you are leading me. Let me tell you a little story. This past week, have you, has someone ever like shared with you kind of their, their bit of their story, their life journey, and immediately you're convicted? Because that happened to me this, this, this past week, see? <clears throat> Dave and I, we were, we were in, uh, touring uh, one of our ministry partners' facility and talking with the director, and we're walking through this facility where God is just using it for just amazing work. And I won't tell you who it is, but um, um, he said, uh, just in the, in, the, in the tour, during the tour, he goes, yeah, and my car was stolen, and, and he just keeps on going. And look what God's doing here, and God's doing this over here, and he's doing this, and this is my office, and this is where kids meet over here. And, and I'm thinking, you just said, like, your car was stolen, so we kind of went a little further, and I said, hey, you, just, you said your car was stolen. He goes, oh, yeah, it's ruined. It's, I can't drive it. And then it just continues on talking about all the amazing things God's doing in this ministry. And so we got the car stolen. It's not drivable. So the bike in my office, you know, and then we're getting ready to leave. And I said, now, but you said your car was stolen and it's not drivable. And you know what he says to me? Because, yeah, I don't have the money to fix it up. But I just figure that this is what God has for me. And God just has this plan for me right now, so I just ride my bike wherever I need to go. And that was it. And we left. And I'm thinking, that's that right there. That's being content where God has placed, not understanding why, but contentment. What did the people say when we went to the Tower of Babel? Like, we don't like our situation. And we're certainly not going to follow through on what was commanded um, for us to do. So let's, let's make a name for ourselves. And we won't be dispersed over all the earth. We will like this life better here. And we were, we were exploring the fall in Genesis chapter 3. We, we, we talked about that, didn't we? Not satisfied with God's way, man took it upon himself to choose his own way, and we know the result. So, application question, then we're going to talk about pride for just a moment. Has your status or place in life led to questioning God and the place he has put you in? What about contentment in your life right now? Where can you grow in contentment? So where can you grow in obedience to him? What step can you take? Where can you grow in contentment? What place, position, status, whatever it looks like, can you say, okay, God, I am content in you. I will walk your wisdom ways. Paul gives us the answer to that in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 11. He says, not, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in every situation I am to be content. I, I know how to be brought low, and I, I know how to abound. I, in any, and in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That's what he says. And you know what he says the big secret is? Are you ready? 
You want, you want to know the secret? Here it is right here. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's for you and that's for me. I can, I can make it through this life. Like I can experience contentment and I can, I can, I can walk in obedience. And I can do all things through who? Him who does what? Strengthens me. Last thing that we're going to talk about, pride. Because you, you know we're going to talk about that, right? One of the sins, pride. G.K. Chesterton said this, if, if I had only one sermon to preach, it would be against pride. Obadiah is one of the minor prophets of the Bible, and, and minor only in length, not, not message, just one, one chapter. And there's a warning here, I think, that speaks to each of us concerning pride. The pride of your heart has deceived you because pride will always deceive you. You who live in the depths of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down. What does Proverbs say? Pride goes before destruction. What does pride do? It steals away the trust in God. <laughs> and it turns it inward to ourselves. Pride always says, I know best. I can take this on myself. Someone said this, that pride is at the bottom of all of the great mistakes. And the greatest mistake is to trust yourself and move out of that place of living by faith. So, Where, where might we walk in humility in our life? That's the question. That's the application question. My friend, Mark Pearson, who was the lead pastor before me here, we worked together for 22 years. <laughs> I still remember him saying, I, I'm going to write a book on the three most humble people in the world and how I met the other two. Pride. You see, the opposite of pride is what? Humility. So where are we saying, no, it's my way, or maybe the highway? Where do we move toward, like, this life that we're living together is first God trusting you, and then in community with one another, because the reality is, I need you. And you need me, and we need one another to do this. So, obedience. Where do you need to take a step in obedience? Think about it. Contentment. Where's the Spirit maybe nudging you just a little bit like, like I placed you there, and we're going to go, okay, God, I'm content. I don't have a car. I might not have exactly what I, what I want. I have everything I need. But I'm content. Because this is the place that you put me in. It might be your job. It might be your work. could be anything. Think about it. And then how about humility? <laughs> what if we just go, okay, God, I'm, I'm not depending on myself. I'm depending on you. It's not me, it's you. It's the pride of my heart. Would you just deal with that, Jesus? 
let me walk in humility. And so, Father, on this morning, we just come to you. I, I'm sure, I know in my life, I, I, I suspect in all of our lives, that in some way, somehow, at some point in time, or maybe even right now, we're asking this question, how did I get here? And if we were really honest, and if we, if we let your spirit speak to us, we, we've gotten to the place that we are, perhaps through disobedience, or may, maybe discontentment, or maybe, maybe pride. And so I'm asking myself and all of us, God, where, where would your spirit nudge us a little bit this morning? Obedience might be a small thing that you called us to, but we, we've held back because, yeah, we're not real sure. Or maybe we found ourselves living in discontentment because we believe that we deserve more. Help us to be content with what you give us, Lord, so that we can be a blessing to others. Let us walk in humility. God is not about us. It's about you. And it's about community that you bring us into, living out our faith and our love for you before others. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen.
I hold on. 